Whether it's in your church or nonprofit or your community on mission, when you're looking for leaders to whom to give more of your time and focus, ask yourself these questions. Who are those men and women around you that are leaning in to everything you do as a leader? Who are those that are always looking to lend you a hand or serve others in the organization? And which people take what you teach and really run with it and apply it to their lives and immediately share these things with those around them? Those are the ones you really want to start pouring into. These are the ones who will be a pleasure to lead and give your life to because they're hungry and they're faithful. the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Hey, good to be back with you. We're just coming off an amazing weekend, great weekend. Our oldest grandson, Patton, just turned five years old this weekend. I can't even believe it. How's that even possible when Tina and I are only like 40 years old? <laughs> oh, it really is true. The older you get, the years seem shorter and the days feel a lot longer. It's so true. And we also had a pretty cool, full-blown Team K birthday dinner for one of the sisters in our Oikos this weekend. Love her so much. So much fun. I love this life that we live here in the kingdom of God. Pretty amazing. Hope you had a good weekend as well. Hope your week is going great. Pretty excited to talk to you about this leadership development. Keep going. We've been talking about that the last couple of episodes from different perspectives. In our coaching, we've been really encouraged lately by the growth we're seeing in many of the churches and missional communities this past year, churches and leaders we're working with. And we had predicted this, by God's grace, that this was going to happen as we started to come out of the pandemic. Those people and those leaders and those churches who were leaning into community, being a bright hope, a light during all the weirdness, they were going to see that rebound effect. And lots of people want to hang out and be around them. And people are thinking about serious things and all that. So I'm not too surprised that for the churches who were leaning into community and discipleship, they're actually seeing a lot of growth these days. So that's amazing. And with growth comes the need for more leaders. We talked a little bit about this in each of the past two episodes of the podcast. But today I want to dive a whole lot deeper into who you should be spending your best time with developing as leaders. And how will you know who those people are? They're around you but maybe you've not noticed them before, or maybe you've picked wrong people, so perhaps you've started to shy away from leadership development, especially in the last year or two, with maybe some downsizing or budget constraints or less people around if you haven't been out leaning into community. And so maybe you've just opted to do more of the work yourself, which will not only kill you eventually, but it's also stifling your community growth and the maturity of your leaders. And that may be killing the very thing you want. So I had a conversation with my buddy Heath Hollinsby about all of this. And it will give you very actionable steps right now and into the future when identifying and developing leaders while embracing growth. Take a listen. It is pretty easy to get lost in the weeds of giving your time to 
you know, like the wrong people, like sure. people that are either just whining about everything or they're the people that are in the Wayback Machine. They just want to take you back to the way everything used to be or something like that. Yeah. They can't see the future. Um, or you just got people that just purely, um, they're just not really teachable. They're not leaning in. Sure. And it's, it's really easy, especially if you love people, and I hope we all do, it's easy to get kind of sucked into giving all of your best time to people that aren't actually going to produce fruit in the vineyard, so to speak. So this, I think, is a super important topic for if you're uh, running a business, if yep. you're at a church and you're in charge of like you know any kind of level of volunteers and you're building out people and trying to build out teams. If you lead at a church, uh, if you're involved in ministry, if you're a church planner, oh my goodness, this is super important. So I, yeah, I think a lot of people might write want to want to tune out like, no, nah, I don't have to develop any leaders. It's like, well. Maybe not, <laughs> yeah. but chances are, yes, you do, actually. So anyway, Absolutely. I'm excited to talk about it. So right off the bat, it does sound, if you're prone to find negativity quickly, <laughs> the concept of developing the right people sounds a little bit shrewd. Okay. Are there really people in your life that God might not want you wasting your time with? Yeah. Or even the concept of wasting your time. Like, right. And I know like all the really shepherdy, super nice people listening to the podcast today, they're like, wow, this sounds right away hard. <laughs> they're so, picking up their stones. Yeah, they're picking up their <laughs> stones. Okay. So I want to say it's like, well, wasting your time with people does sound pretty shrewd. I'd like to flip that around actually and say, who are the people that you should be investing time in that will actually be a good stewardship of your time resources and it'll be good kingdom investment? Hmm. And I want to point out that... What I'm suggesting here is connected to leadership development, which is actually deeper level discipleship. That's really what that is. So I'm not talking about uh, who should you hang out with or be friends with, or should you rank people or rate people. I'm saying is when you look at trying to multiply yourself, develop yourself so that others can do what you do and see multiplication happen either in community or in ministry life, or even build out teams in business, whatever, who are those people? That you should be developing. Yeah, so this th- episode is for everybody then, because it's not just businessmen trying to figure out who to employ the next. We're all called to disciple making. Exactly. And leadership development, like I'm sure you know, people have heard me say many times, is just discipleship further up the slope. And so how do you know then who do you take further? And that's what we want to talk about today. So um, in one of your past teachings that actually spurred this conversation on, uh, you had mentioned this concept of the crop versus the yeast uh, and I thought that was super helpful when thinking through uh, leadership development or even discipleship making. Can you speak and maybe unpack that concept a little bit for those who would be unfamiliar with it? Yeah, crop versus yeast. Awesome. Yeah, I, what I want to say is that um, often when, let's just, I'll give an example of like in a missional community or in, in a maybe a, a setting where you're developing people, okay? Right. Like, so let's say community. Um, we love people, and so what we're trying to do is trying to raise up a crop of people, meaning like we're looking across our field, mm-hmm. and we're noticing, you know, that it's all full of these shoots, yeah. the crop is growing, and we want to see everybody get there. We want to see everybody develop to their fullness, and we want to just see everybody, you know, develop and mature. Sure. It sounds great. But the truth is, as we look across our field, um, our crop, we, we notice that some people aren't growing as fast as others. Hmm. They're not as mature. They don't have the same level of capacity uh, or intentionality. They're not really leaning into being developed. They're kind of okay where they're at. Yep. And we love those people. But there is a difference, just being really, really honest. And so I want to say, let's, instead of trying to figure out a, a way to have like a one-size-fits-all, raise up the crop, let me, let, let's flip the metaphor to looking for yeast 
that could be in the dough instead. So like if you look at your crop, you're going to notice there's out of, you know, let's say 100 people or 10 people, whatever, there's some percentage, a small percentage of people that are really fast growing shoots. Sure. Let's consider them yeast. And what if we gave our best time to them okay. from a leadership standpoint, not how much we love them, you know, sure. but we gave them the best part of our leadership time. And it's an increased time over and above what we do with everybody else. Yeah. But we, we, we see them as yeast to be developed and then put back into the dough of community, which then further yeasts and grows the whole thing. Yeah. So, expanding. so instead of looking at how do we raise a crop and get like everybody in our church or everybody in our department or whatever to kind of move at the same pace, because everybody's the leader, not everybody's the same type of leader. I want to say, let's flip that and look for the yeasty people. Because here's the thing too, Heath, those people, and you think about them in your own life right now. Yeah, now there's already a couple church, in my head, yeah. Think about those people that are leaning in. I mean, you know, you say, hey, I want you to read this book and then I want to talk about it. And they read the book and they come back to you with notes. Or when you say, hey, could you give me a hand with this on Saturday? Like, yeah, what time? One o'clock, great. They're there. And they don't, they're not trying to skate out and get out of it or leave early. Sure. Like, there's those, some people that just lean in, their yes is a yes, and you can count on them. They're actually a pleasure to lead. Hmm. They're a pleasure to spend time with and develop because you can see the return on your investment. And, and if that sounds true to people, like, go check out what Jesus said about investment, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> this is the kingdom, and we, we are called to steward all things, and that includes our time and our best efforts. And so those people are a pleasure to lead. And here's another thing to keep in mind. I've seen it happen where trying to make sure that no one gets left behind, we're going to raise a crop, we're going to move at the speed of sort of the slowest growing shoots in our crop. Sure. And what happens is we end up kind of giving the whole process, a haircut down to the slowest growing shoots. Mm -hmm. And now we're not really moving. We're not really out on mission. We're not really maturing. We're not really going much deeper into our knowledge of the gospel and the word and how the kingdom functions. And so in trying to, quote, love everybody, you actually just slowed the whole thing down to those people that probably aren't going to get there anyway. Yeah. And then those few yeasty people, those faster growing shoots, they're kind of asking like, What's going on? Is this is this all there is? Is this sure. what I signed up for? I thought we were going to change the world together. Yeah. And so then they actually they go, they'll go looking. They'll find the adventure. You know what I mean? They'll yep. find the cause worth giving their life to. And so you think you're actually loving people by giving everything a hair, cutting your crop down to the slowest going shoots, and and kind of teaching or developing at their pace. Yeah. But in fact, what you're not. You're actually losing those strongest, most faithful leaders, and then you don't have them to be back in the dough to help raise up the balance. You know what I mean? You're absolutely right. There's a time where people that have the tenacity and are excited and want to buy into something, they're done with waiting. They're done with people dragging their heels. Yep, now's the time. I thought you were the one that was going to lead us there, develop yeah. us. Let's go. Yeah, it should be an adventure. Okay, so um, let me stop you there and ask a question that kind of is in the back of my head. If I wanted to find something maybe negative out of what you're saying, I probably could assume like, what about the folks Why are that are... negative? What? What's the... <laughs> <laughs> I'm always negative. What about the folks that are maybe on a different journey, like someone who might be new to the faith or not totally bought in, or maybe just slower to mature, slower to develop? I can imagine that to some of the listeners, you might be suggesting that we're sort of supposed to ditch them and maybe go for the gold or go for the, the cream of the crop. Uh, what would you say to that sort of objection? I guess I kind of already tipped my hand there, Heath. First off, let me just repeat it so everybody hears it. We want to love and value all people the same. Jesus taught that, like, don't be a respecter of, you know, people's abilities or their money. So we're going to love all people the same. Everyone's an image bearer, and they're deserving of love and our time and, and respect. 
This is a leadership paradigm and perspective that I'm speaking to here. And I've actually found, I kind of said this already, I found time and again that the best way to truly love and care for the most amount of people in your church or in your community or even at work for that matter is not to spread yourself thinner and thinner and thinner where everyone gets this little dribble of your time and attention, but it's to pour into those yeasty folks that will then in turn lead and develop others within the community. That's good. And I know in my busiest of times when my leadership was probably rated at its worst, part of what was going on is I had not developed those yeasty people to to the point of actually helping carry the load Hmm. of developing others to maturity. And people started feeling like, I'm getting like one one thousandth of your attention and your affection today. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Because actually, if I did the math, it's probably like half that. There's just too much. I can't spread myself any thinner. And so sure. you're coming up to me with an actual need or concern or idea or whatever, and I'm having to deal with you in the one one thousandth of my attention and affection time I have. Yeah. And so it's not really loving people just to keep spreading ourselves thinner and thinner. And so I know like a lot of people listening who are like working at a church and they say, that's my whole life. Yep. And I'm telling you, this is the solution, is to flip the metaphor. Don't try to raise a crop and be all things to all men in that sense. Yeah. Look for the yeasty people, those faster-growing shoots, and give your best time to them, and they will actually yeast the rest of the dough along with you. And that's how you're going to love and bless the most people. So I don't, hmm. think it's, I don't think it's less loving. In fact, I think it's way more loving. Well, and I think when you tie it into uh, even the way that Jesus... Uh, modeled his ministry philosophy. Um, yep. We could say that he made himself available to everybody, but it's just not true. I mean, he was always open, he was always teaching people, but he really did have his his tribe of 12 and even closer circle, the the, the three uh, that got to spend the most time with him. And then even the one. Yeah, the even beloved. one. And old John there. <laughs> yeah. So it seems that um, Jesus actually was maybe more concerned with developing the smaller groups uh, and then sending that yeast out, kind of like you've been talking about. Do you think that pragmatically, this approach is still the best way of doing things in our 21st century busy context? Yeah, well, I have to say yes, because if Jesus did it, you know. know? (laughs) Yeah, timeless. I I still, I do think it is for kind of all the reasons stated. And I like to remind people that Jesus preached to the crowds. Mm -hmm. So, but we don't see that that often. We see like Sermon on the Mount. Sure. A couple other times it's referenced, there was a whole lot of people hanging around. So we know he did that. He preached to the crowds. But he taught those that would show up consistently and listen. And that, that kind of, you know, we had that number of maybe 120 people that were kind of around all the time. Sure. But then we would see that he gave the bulk of his time to just a dozen men. Hmm. And like you said, even, even like a finer tuning down to three that he really gave quality time to. Sure. He developed and discipled them in such a way that he could see them in action, answer their questions, and all of that while they were doing life together. And then he sent out this maturing yeast to affect and transform the rest of the world. And you know what? It worked. Because <laughs> we're living proof today that Jesus' method and his focus on the fewer that in turn developed the next and on and on worked. I mean, otherwise yeah. we wouldn't be here as disciples of Jesus. Yeah. Like if it would have been like, well, that can't possibly work. That's not enough people. He should have developed the 3,000 or the 5,000 that he fed. It's like, would never have happened. He'd have been spread too thin. It wouldn't happen. So yeah. Jesus focused on that dozen and he sent them out to transform the world. And here it is multiple layers and generations and thousands of years later, and it worked. And it still works. I really, I think it still works today. And it seems so counter, Heath, to some of our hearts. Yeah. There's just so much need. It's so much need. Remember, we're not talking about loving people well. We're, well, well kind of we are. We're, we're talking about developing leaders. Mm-hmm. But if you want to love everybody well, develop more leaders. Jesus said, we're going to get to do 
everything he did and greater things. Yeah. What are the greater things? By multiplying out more and more disciples, then more and more people get to hear the good news. They get developed to maturity. They get the gospel applied to all of life. Mm-hmm. There's no way I can do that. I can't apply the gospel to like zillions of people's lives. I can't disciple that many people, truly, yeah. deep to maturity in their life. If I really want to have a bigger impact, do the greater works, it has to be developing a few to fuller maturity that who then can do the same thing. Yeah. So what would you say, because um, I think if you were to look at the typical American church, we've got it somehow reversed uh, based off this model, because now we've got... Um, a lot of even as a goal, sometimes let's just get a ton of people in here. Yeah, absolutely. Or you so look we can at like develop the, them up, <laughs> or you look at like a uh, you know a Christmas program at a big church, and it's like, no, the the goal of the staff is to get people here so that the pastor can say the the words that that do the ultimate work. And we've actually designed so many of our modern day churches to to be under the leadership of one person. You're seeing church planners burn out because of it because of the weight of trying to develop hundreds of people yeah. isn't working. So how does this paradigm shift the way that we develop leaders and the models that we currently have in the typical American church when you're looking at different types of small group methods or discipleship methods? What would you say to that? Well, I think it's, yeah, I, that's exactly what I've experienced and I helped build and propagate for years. Sure. It's sort of the one-size-fits-all approach. Mm-hmm. And yeah, not super effective. Um, it seems that most leaders are looking for resources or programs that their entire church or business or department can engage in. Sure. That's what they're looking for. And we develop all kinds of different resources, right, in our ministry. But so often they're like, oh, we love this, but there's no way I can do this with everybody at our church. And I'm like, well, why is that? They're like, well, because they're not all mature enough for that. Bingo. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so you know what they always their their solution always is. What's that? I'll go with something a little dumbed down, so that everybody can kind of tag along. I'm like, yeah, but what about the mature people? They don't need 101. They don't. Well, it goes back to what you were saying at the beginning of the episode, exactly, right? You start losing right? those guys. And so that's what they're looking for. They're looking for something that everybody can engage in, and they do it a lot. Um, but they rarely have sort of deep dive leadership development worked out for key yeasty leaders who who can then reproduce everything and make more and more disciples and see new gospel-centered communities formed. Hmm. Uh, there again, let's take this into a business model. I need, I need to work on something that's going to develop everybody in my company around feeling more like a community or customer service. Yeah. yeah, but some people just aren't given to it. Some people aren't given to those types of conversations. They're not natural storytellers. Sure. What if you found those yeasty people in your company and you said, you know what, I'm going to go deep with them and I'm going to get them some story brand training and I'm going I'm to yeah. develop them. And by the way they talk and share stories, the whole culture of our, our business will change. Yeah, everybody buys in. Everybody yeah. gets it. But no, what I'll do is I'll get something where everybody can feel like, yeah, we did it and I did a little team building weekend and it was really nothing big or deep changed. Hmm. Go change five or six key people who are influencers in your in your community or in your company. Yep. You'll change the whole culture. So again, preach to the crowds, teach those who will show up for that, but then look for the yeast in the dough that will then in turn lead and disciple others. That's great, man. Yeah. And I know some of you are listening and you're like, well, we don't have that big a community. Or maybe you're, you're listening through the lens of a missional community and you're sure. like, there's only like five or six of us couples. Okay, this is still going to apply, trust me, because it's just a proportional thing. So there might be one yeah. or two people that you go, I really need to start developing them. Yeah. Like I want to start pouring into them and giving them our best time and let them have responsibility. If you're in a church of 500, then, then there's, there's probably a dozen of these people at yeah. least. And if you're in a giant church, wow. 
over the course of our friendship and the various things we've done from either the podcast or Cigars and Theology, different things like that, the the Oikos group, uh, you've, you've done a really good job of identifying potential leaders, people that are pressing in. And I'm kind of curious... Um, how do you do that? Like, how do you, how do you as Caesar identify your next leaders and not waste a ton of time investing in people that, you know, might not be ready for it or might not be willing to be up to the challenge? I'm just kind of curious how you, how you, how you designate those. Thanks for asking. Thanks for those nice words. Um, it's not a perfect process, but I have found over time, like lots of different ministry and loads of bit, dozens of businesses and things like that, that, are, that there are, I've noticed patterns, right? Yep. So who are those men and women around you that are leaning in? In other words, they want to be around and everything you do as a leader, they're like, they're going to default to like, yep, I'm with you, right? Yeah. Like, right. I'm looking. I'm looking for those people versus the eors that are like, oh, this is not. Uh, I don't. Why would we? Like, not those people. That's not who I'm generally looking for first. Sure. <laughs> uh, who are those who are always looking to lend a hand and, and either help you serve or they're always looking to serve others? That's just mm-hmm. they do. There's real maturity in that. There's sure. humility in that. Which people take what you teach and then really run with it? Hmm. They don't have to challenge everything before giving it a spin, but they're like, well, all right, I trust you. Let's let's start applying that to our lives. Sure. And, they, and then they immediately start sharing that with others. Those are the ones, like from a top-level sort of flyover, that you really want to start looking for okay. and pouring into. And right now, as I'm saying this, I know people are thinking about, that's so-and-so in my life. That's hmm. so-and-so in our community. That's so-and-so on our staff, but that's not so-and-so on our staff. <laughs> yeah. So this is illuminating. So anyway, these are the people that are going to be a pleasure to lead and give your life to. And, and think about when, when you're trying to hand off and you're trying to grow and you're developing leaders, don't you want to spend it with people that are a pleasure? Yeah, absolutely. And, and they, these types of people are because they're hungry and they're faithful. <laughs> so yeah. go for those. Look for that in a general sense. So who would you say specifically are people looking to develop as their next generation of leaders? How will you know when you see them? Do you just kind of guess it? Are there certain qualities that people exhibit that we could be looking to identify as the next maybe best and potentially most effective and faithful leaders? Here's a method that I've used, and I I don't claim like full authorship to this. It's kind of been pieced together from other things that I've learned and taught and um, have been around. And I call these the five C's of leadership. Okay. And I think there was a four C's that helped me start thinking through this, but then I was like, hmm, uh, there's a fifth C, actually. So let me suggest these five qualities that you look for in people who are potentially going to be really strong leaders. And they all start with the letter C. That's why we call them that. So so these first four are character, chemistry, capacity, and calling. Okay. Okay? I'll go through those a little bit. Great. So character. You're asking yourself, does this person have the personal, spiritual, and emotional life needed by someone who's going to lead others? Hmm. That's a great question. Or or do they at least have the desire to develop that? Because maybe they're younger in the faith or just younger, period. Does he or she have good follow-through, letting Mm. their yes be a yes and done? Like, if they say they're going to do it, you don't have to wonder. Like, yep, they're going to do it, and it'll be done. And if there's something, they'll come back and let me know, and then they'll go back and it'll be done. Do they do the right things in life and, and with others, regardless of reward or recognition? Yeah. Well, they were doing the right thing, but then I forgot to thank them once, and then now they're all bummed. Yeah. No. Then they were doing it for the wrong reasons. So that's all character stuff. So you're looking, you're looking at character, and that's first on the list for a pretty important reason. As it should be. I mean, I've worked in like you know many churches. Same with ministry, where that is character is not the first. People will put other attributes before character, like capacity. Yeah, which I think we're going to get job description, and they can get a lot done. So that's what we need. So hire them. No integrity throws people under the bus. But you just skipped over two really important ones. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, man, a character like 
be people that are pursuing character first and foremost. Yeah. It'll always serve you and it'll avoid so much, uh, you know, heartache and stuff. Second one is chemistry. Hmm. Like, do you and others like hanging out with this person? Yeah. Because think about it. If you're developing them and you're locking arms and you're going to do ministry together and do life on life together, it's so it's it's okay to want to like like them. <laughs> do people enjoy working with him or her? Yep. You know, would you trust this person to have your back when challenging situations arise or personal attacks come your way? Yeah. Would you trust that person? You know, it's funny you say that. A, a little secret to the music business, because you worked in the music business for years. I did as well with touring. A lot of people are like, what's it take to make it? I can travel the world and do music. And for me, it was always, it, what I learned was it wasn't always the best players. It was, it was, the, it was the chemistry. Absolutely. What ha- when you're waking up at 3 a.m. to get to the airport with 12 other people, or you're on a bus with somebody for, for four months. Or you just found out your flight's leaving way early, so sorry that's not your job, but we're all packing up the gear tonight, and, yeah, and everybody's like, here. on it, I'm on it, no problem. That There's was no so much more important than, yep. can you play this? these chords a little bit faster? Can you do a little bit? You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yep. Chemistry's huge. huge, Absolutely. That's right. So, and people think, well, you know, in light of the gospel and as believers, everybody should get along. We're not talking about getting along. We're talking about being human and saying, do you like hanging out with this person? Yeah. Like, we've run so many businesses and had so many staff and probably thousands of volunteers in our lifetime, Tina and I, that we've led. I want to like hanging out with these people. Exactly. The EGRs, you know, the extra grace required, I don't necessarily put them to top of my going to develop sure. you know, list, right? Yep. I'm not saying we don't. I mean, I know some people are hearing this and they're, they're not going to like the tone of this. Sure. Like, we love everybody. Yeah, I'm not talking about we don't love them. I'm not talking about we don't serve people. We're talking about when you're trying to pick out of like a lot of people or a few people and you've only got so much time to develop others... Chemistry is important. Yeah. It just, it's going to be. It's going to be. Especially that last little thing I was saying is like, do you trust this person to have your back when like stuff gets bad or weirdness happens or yeah. personal attacks come? All right. So character and, and chemistry, really important. Hmm. All right. Third one is capacity. Does he or she have the necessary time in their current schedule or the, this season of life to be able to lead others. Hmm. Sometimes you feel like, man, this person's great character. I love hanging out with them. Their yes is a yes. They're really great. Um, and they have a lot of capacity. But like right now, man, the, their commute is brutal. Or they've got a special needs child and they're having to drive, you know, an hour and a half twice a day sure. to doctor's appointments or special stuff or whatever. And it's like, they're awesome. But right now, their current schedule and season of life doesn't give them the capacity. And that's life. Right? That's yeah. life. So don't don't burden them further because chances are that's the kind of person that's going to say yes or tend to anyway. Yep. So be wise enough to say, hey, is the capacity a capacity now? How about this? Is this person physically and emotionally healthy? Hmm. Have you ever worked with someone who can just get a lot done? And they really can, yep. but they're always kind of high drama and emotionally like just melting down and oh, they kind of nightmare. suck everybody into it. Absolutely. But they'll take on a lot of load. Yep, They'll say yes and they'll take stuff off your plate. But you're not necessarily serving that person very well or your community or yourself if they're not physically and emotionally healthy. Yeah. How about do they react well under stress or when people and things get hard? Like, it's tough, right? That's why we talk about, like, truly making disciples is life on life, life in community, and life on mission. Yeah. You, you want to be able to observe people. You know, I was watching this couple, and I was watching when this, this happened, and or this problem came up, or there was this financial need, or this person got really upset about something in the community, and I watched this person and how they reacted under stress, hmm. and they were great, yeah. and they were humble, and yet 
they still spoke the truth in love yeah. and they got the job done. They didn't go, well, you know, if everybody's not going to be happy with me. Which so, is the main reason capacity shouldn't be number one. Because exactly. if somebody buckles under that with no integrity and no character, right. you're in trouble. Yeah. And, and so when like, the fire comes and they have actually a person, a character behind the wheel, man, so much, such oh, a different story. Oh than, my goodness. Yeah. So you see how this is kind of adding up, right? Yep, absolutely. Great to have the capacity, but if they have character and chemistry, now we're getting close, right? Yeah. And, and sometimes too, um, we've had to look for like couple capacity. Hmm. Meaning, like, this won't be everybody's situation, just depending on size of church or community or whatever. Sure. But if you're looking at, say, like, uh, we're going to multiply our initial community coming up here in the fall. And so I really like, I'm going to start pouring into this couple because I think they really have the character and chemistry to, to do this. But you know what? One of the couple, the husband or the wife, they're not nearly as available right now sure. because of their job yeah. or because they are tending to, like, an elderly parent that's just gone into, like, hospice or, or something. And so as a couple, they don't have capacity. And that's a trickier one to assess. But you're like, yeah, but he's got time and he's a rock star. Yeah, yeah but he's got to be serving his wife and he's exactly. got to be serving his family or vice versa or whatever the situation is. When you look at people, especially you're talking one flesh, we're the church, we should be doing this better than the world. You want to look at couple capacity as well. Because mm-hmm. it, might, it might not be it's, it's never... It might just be it's not now is a great time. Yeah, exactly. But but oh boy, their their character is awesome, and and we love hanging out with them. Their chemistry is just everybody loves hanging out with them. But we gotta we gotta help them get past this time. Sure. And we have couples even now that we're coaching where like they wanted to get start coaching and really getting after developing a missional community like a year ago. Okay. But they said, well, we've got this health issue that we're helping a family member with, and we had to move them in. Hmm. But in about six or nine months, we think we'll be we'll past be that. Yeah. Then they came back. And they said we're past that. Great. Yeah. Great. Life right? is life is seasons. Like, yeah. You got to be. Understand that those seasons come and go. Yep. Okay. Fourth one is calling. Okay. You know, is this person is he or she called to this specific work at this specific time hmm. to hand off to others that put them under a heavy burden and they hate doing it too, but they're they're good. Hmm. <laughs> they're good people, right? They have the capacity, chemistry, and character. Is that person called? I'll tell you, calling trumps a lot of stuff. Yeah, it does. Because when the going gets tough, and you have a calling, you can you look beyond the present. Ugh. Yep. Or the present like lack of momentum or the present pushbacks. So is that person called to this specific work and at this time? Hmm. You know, is the timing right? Um, are these the people in place that they're called to work among? Yeah. So you go like, I got this couple, they're gonna be great. I really I'm gonna stuff them in the nursery. Hmm. And they're like, We raised babies like thirty years ago <laughs> and we wanna serve and we'll serve anywhere. But you know what? We still we have such a heart for like college students. Yeah. Right. Exactly. For example. Sure. And so you want to try to also, that's one of the C's, you want to start, to, you want to start to look for like, is this specific work a, a part of their calling? Like they mm. really, cause you, you find someone with calling man and oh, yeah. there's the implication there and like, we're giving our lives to this and our resources and our time. And, and man, when the going gets tough, we're still going. Yep. Cause exactly. God's called us to this. So yeah. that's big. That's really well, big too. Okay. So I might be wrong, but I'm counting, uh, I'm counting four. That's four, okay? Okay. You, you noticed that. Good. Yeah. You, you, I'm glad you can count to four. <laughs> Five. All right. Okay, so um, you also probably noticed I put a great deal of emphasis on character, yeah. right? That's because character can and must be continually being developed. Yep. I, I don't know of anybody who's just exactly like Jesus. I'm not. Sure. I don't know anybody who is, and I know some really strong leaders, but if they don't presently demonstrate a fairly mature character... It might be a signal to wait on giving your best leadership time to them. Okay, yeah. poor poor character leads to all sort all sorts of yet to be discovered problems. Okay, so anyway, here's your fifth C. All right, okay. settle down, <laughs> settle down. It's competency. Huh. Okay, this is something that can be developed in any person who has character and capacity. Okay, competency. So my experience, those with high capacity 
are continuous learners, and they develop new competencies all the time. Hmm. And I put competency at the end of this list because, to be honest, it's something of a second-tier concern. Okay. And I know that that's maybe not the way we, like, you know, you said people go after capacity. Sure. And then I think in most church settings and even business settings, they go after competency. You have the right degree, a little bit of experience doing it, and you... And we could teach you the systems and so you're going to work out. So, but what about competency? Like, well, I I think it's second tier. It's because you can learn stuff, right? If you have great character and high capacity, you're going to learn. It matters, but doesn't matter as much as the others, I think. So still, if you want to begin measuring this aspect of leadership, you can look at the following. Does this person have some recognized gifting and skills that they are using to serve others? Hmm. It's a really so great they have question. some competency there, and they have some passion, and they have some gifting. Are their goals for leadership in line with those gifts? Hmm. And what I mean by that is I've had people who were great, and they had great character, and they had the capacity, and I liked hanging with them, and they came to me and they said, you know, I really want to start doing this in our community or for the church. And you sure. go, hmm, I don't know if your gifting is in line with that leadership goal. Yeah. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? And I don't, want to, I don't really want to step on anybody's toes here so people can kind of read between <laughs> those gaps, lines. Yeah. But we've all had those people where you're like, I've seen you do that, or I've heard yeah. you try to do that, or whatever. And, and though it can be developed, it might not be in line with your gifting. You know, your gifting is so strong over here. Hmm. Now, I seem to be kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth here because I'm saying people can be developed in competency to a point. Sure. To a point if they've got character, right, and capacity. Yeah. But it's really important to start looking, are their goals and, and, and leadership in line with giftings, okay? Mm. And here's another one. Does this person regularly pursue growth in their existing strengths and their areas of weakness? Yeah. See, that all speaks to competency for me. Like life, we've talked a lot on the show about being lifelong learners. Yep. And so when I look for people that are like, hey, I really want to start helping out with this. And I'm like, oh, all right. Like, have you ever done it before? And they're like, a little, but you know what? I recently was reading some stuff. And uh, in a couple of weeks, my wife and I are going, there's this conference that's going to be kind of teaching on some of this. And we just signed up for it on our own dime and we're going. And I think I'm going to develop this a little bit more. Let's see how it goes. You tell me. And so they go, oh man, they're pursuing that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's right? a really both cool an feature. area of strength or an area of weakness. Yeah, that's there's maturity in that. That speaks back to character, doesn't it? Yeah, and I'm I mean 109 episode 109. I remember it's one of my favorites of all time on on what it looks like to be a lifelong learner and how yeah. important that is and putting yourself in a place of constantly wanting to learn. Yeah, but you're correct. I worked for many organizations and even churches who go, no, we'll hire off capacity, competency, and then maybe character that stuff. And they might be great with capacity, but when they don't have character... Well, that's it, why... What, what are the statistics on how long the average person works at a church? Oh, it's not, nothing anymore. It's, it's like so, 18 months or something? It's so low. Yeah. It's so... That's because they're not applying the five Cs here. Okay, as always, I want to wrap this up or begin to wrap this up by leaving you with the big three takeaways from today's topic. So you don't want to miss these. These are... Big ideas, and in case you're driving or at the gym or whatever, you can get a printable PDF of this week's Big Three for talking points, to go back over this with others, whatever. You can get that as a free download by going to everydaydisciple.com forward slash Big Three. Okay, I really hope that folks will download this because this is these are packed. These three are packed, and in addition, I want to go ahead and I'm going to add uh, a, a, an e-guide that I've created called "Who Are Your Next Leaders," and this guide will help identify who specifically you want to look for when developing leaders in your world, in your community, or in your business or church or whatever. Okay, so here's the big three. Okay. First, shift your metaphor from trying to raise a crop of people that all grow at the same pace 
and in the same manner, okay, to that of looking for those yeasty people in the dough. Hmm. Focusing on the leaders who are truly leaning into you, it's going to be a pleasure, and you will net much greater fruit and maturity in the future than that one-size-fits-all approach of crop dusting. Hmm. Okay? That's great. All right. Second, your identity and self-worth does not come from all the tasks and responsibilities that you shoulder within the church. Hmm. And if it does, and be honest here, I want to remind you of God's great love for you in Christ. Yeah. You never have to perform or do anything to earn that love. And we say this a lot in the show, but the I need to hear it every day, okay? Amen. And also, by doing things that others could be equipped to do, maybe even better than you, okay. um, you may be robbing others of the opportunity to use their gifts within the church and experience all that God has for them and all the growth and maturing and multiplication that we can experience. Hmm. I, I really firmly believe one of the reasons that we have not seen multiplication like we could be within the church is because we've got just a very few people are being paid to do a little bit of stuff. They're overworked. A lot of it's out of their giftings. Yep. Uh, we, they didn't go through the five C's before they got stuck in those roles and all that. And it's just it's it's just a built-in cap. Yeah, and yeah, we're keeping right. people from experiencing all that God has for them, hmm. and for us collectively. Absolutely. It affects everybody. All right. Third, look around your community for those faithful men and women around you that are leaning in to everything you do as a leader. Okay. okay? Who are those that are always looking to lend you a hand or serve others? You know, which people take what you teach and they apply it, hmm. and, they, and then they share it with others? Well, I hope that is helpful. That gives you a lot to think about. I know that. If you'd like help with that, we're here for you. If you're interested in learning more about developing leaders, putting together a full framework for discipleship and mission. Like we said, that discipleship and leadership development, they're very, very connected. Leadership development is just discipleship further up the slope. So if you want help with that, that's all of the kinds of things we do in the coaching that we offer. I'd love to set up a short Zoom call, get to know you, answer any questions you have about that, and maybe get you into an upcoming cohort with us real soon. Get more information on that at everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching. Everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching. And we can get together. Well, time is up. Would you share this episode and end the podcast today with a friend? Drop them a text. Share it on your Facebook page. Whatever. Help us get the word out. Help us make more disciples in everyday life. And let me know in our Facebook group, some topics that you'd like me to address in upcoming episodes. Just hop on into our Facebook group. If you've never joined us yet, you can search us up, Everyday Disciple Podcast, right there on Facebook, or you can go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash Facebook, join the group, and leave me a post going, here's some questions I've got, or here's a couple ideas I've got for topics. Things are always changing. Your context is not the same as mine or Heath's or anyone else's. And I really love hearing what are the things you're working on or bumping up against or issues you'd like us to address here on the podcast. So please let me do that. I look forward to hearing your ideas and questions. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day. 